Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and right around the world. Welcome to AFL legend Warren Treadray. G'day, Treaders. Hey, Dion. How are you? I can't wait for this one, mate. Insights of AFL footy. Yeah, it's going to be good. That's for sure, Treaders. The uh, the AFL footy season is underway, as we know already, with practice games, internal trials, all that sort of stuff. It's going to ramp up even more. And uh, it's pretty timely then that uh, Stan would drop a show that is the perfect appetizer for the season ahead. It's the second installment of uh, their voyeuristic look into the fascinating world of AFL trading called Show Me the Money. The first was a three-part series last year. The second is one two-hour episode which lifts the lid on all the deals and drama that unfolded in the AFL's 10-day trade period late last year. And here to talk to us all about it is the director and executive producer of the show, Michael Venables, who's one of the real stars of the business. He's worked with Jam TV to produce and direct both editions of Show Me the Money, as well as Fearless, the inside story of AFLW, which took out an AFL Media Award. Michael, thanks for joining us. The first incarnation of Show Me the Money was great, but this time, with the number of big names on the move, you really hit the jackpot, didn't you? So, so thanks very much for having me, Dion and Treaders. Sorry, mate, you just uh, you cut out a bit there, Dion. Didn't quite hear the lead in, but um, no, great, great to be here. The first time you you did show me the money, you it was a little bit of a quieter trade period, but this time uh, you seem to really hit the jackpot with all the big names on the move uh, from uh, club to club. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think uh, obviously a lot of things were different from season one to to the second time around. Um, obviously, you know, COVID was a, a reasonably big factor. And so, um, you know, we were quite limited in terms of what we could do. But yeah, it, it was on paper a quieter period. And then this time around, obviously, we heard there were going to be some, um, you know, a lot of superstars on the move, you know, potentially changing hands pretty pretty dramatically. And then obviously coming out of, you know, that hiatus of having deadline day, um, all of a sudden that, that final day at Marvel was back on the table. And, you know, it just seemed like a you know a natural climax for for all of that to kind of take place and and top off that you know that 10-day trade period now all footy fans and people who work in afl media know how protective the afl can be of their product now how much access did you get because it looks as if open access well, the, the AFL are great. Jam TV has obviously got a great relationship with them, and we've worked with them on multiple projects over the years. Um, and, and look, we were we were open and honest about what we wanted to do on that last day, and, and and they were you know very facilitating. I think look, I think everyone can see that there's a lot of interest, and it's only growing in and around trade period and, and in the off season. And I think anything that you know kind of pulls the curtain back and gives the fan a look, fans a look at you know what what their clubs are doing to improve their list and improve each year, I think can only be good for the game. So no, the AFL were very supportive, and um, you know we we're just happy to to be in there and to capture all of that uh, last day drama. So from your perspective, Michael, what was the most challenging aspect of putting together a doco like this uh, when you're working with, I mean, there's so many moving parts, and and indeed you're working with uh, so many uh, larger than life individuals. Yeah, look, it is. It's a huge challenge. I mean, if we if you talk about logistics, first of all, obviously, you know, uh, I can't, we can't be everywhere at once. You know, and things are happening. You know, we're shooting in Perth at the same time. We're shooting, you know, in multiple locations around in Melbourne. There's, you know, 
dominoes can fall at any time and you know we just we can't be everywhere at once so you know we, we've got a pretty amazing team of you know that spread ourselves around and we just communicate really well and you know sometimes you've kind of got to you roll the dice and and be somewhere and you just hang around and sometimes you get nothing and other times you, you hang around and you know you're there for the moment so look it's it's it just you, you follow your intu- intuition and you know we had a bit of experience obviously from from last year but I think even you know, series one didn't really prepare us for, for you know, this this incarnation of the show. It was completely different. There was no, you know, we could go anywhere because COVID wasn't a factor. So all of a sudden, all, you know, all the players are everywhere, all the, you know, all our agents are, are everywhere. So, um, yeah, it, it, logistically, you know, we had 16 camera operators, I think, across, across the period. I think we shot, a, you know, a, in excess of 150 hours of vision across that period. Um, you know, and then we have all of that and we sit down and trawl through all of it. And then, you know, I think, I think there's, you know, there's a group of about 20 of us that sat down in the post-production period. And, and I think we spent about a thousand hours, um, piecing together the, you know, the, the 90 minutes that is the documentary. So look, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge, uh, operation and undertaking, but, um, look, you know, the, the team at Jam, uh, are fantastic and yeah, we're quite experienced in this space now. So, um. Yeah, we, we, we really enjoyed putting it together and, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed watching it. Absolutely love watching it. Make no mistake about that. Um, from down and I, old journo's perspective, uh, we know the AFL's, we know we've got Show Me The Money, we've got the AFL trade period, which is live trade radio. You've got all the journos and news outlets running 24-7 on who's moved, what picks moving, all these sort of um, situations. You're on the inside. Do you realise, uh, and you were privy to some information probably that the, the journos don't know and that the fans don't know, how much do the media get it right or wrong over that journey? Uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I think, like that you guys always say where there's smoke, there's fire. So there's there's often like little whispers. But yeah, look, I think one of the biggest things, you know, going back, it's almost, well, it's almost two years ago now, I think we had the first chat with with our agents and, you know, we sat down and, you know, they took a big leap of faith. We, we spoke about, you know, we talk about big things like buy-in and trust and, and they're, they're not small things because, you know, they, they put a lot of, you know, trust in, in Jam TV and, and us and me. Um, and so I think, yeah, they, they, after the first little while of going, oh, that's a bit strange, there's a camera in the corner there, they, they on, and you, look, I'm sure you could ask them the same question. They, they genuinely forgot about us after a period of time. And yeah, they obviously said some, you know, some things that at that point, if they got out, might jeopardise something or change something. Or so we we got a pretty robust um, system and an amazing team that you know that that realises the importance of you know confidentiality and hanging on to that information at that time. You know, our show has never been. You know, we're not the news cycle. Our show is designed to give context to the headline. And so it'll be, you know, if, if some of that stuff, you know, comes out at that time, it'll be skewed a certain way. But the idea is that the dust settles, we give context, we give a longer format to, you know, to these headlines, and then they come out. And then all of a sudden, you can actually see, you know, the, the 360, um, you know, kind of degree view of that, of, of what's going on. It was interesting to me that, um, you know, we see on the, what, the second to last day, maybe, was it, or maybe even early on the last day of the trade period that, you know, Colin Young is hearing whispers about Jaeger O'Meara's potential move from Hawthorne to Fremantle, and it's it's shocking him. And he doesn't even know if it's true himself. And you know, he's thinking, "Oh well, I'll I'll put in a call to someone to to find out whether whether that's that's fair income or if it's just pub talk." I mean, it's it's incredible that uh, you know, as you said before, how fast things moved. Um, it must have been incredibly challenging to shoot that last day or two, and I guess in particular the the last day uh, of, of the trade period. 
Yeah, look, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that. I just, just kind of tweaked with me. But on that, I think that was the, that was the second last day, that, that phone call with Colin. And I think at that same point, you know, multiple things were kicking around at the same time. So obviously, you know, Colin and, and Andrew McDougall had, had come to Melbourne in preparation, you know, to be here for deadline day. And then obviously, you know, I think Grundy was kicking around and Hopper was kicking around. All of these things, you know, all these balls were in the air. And, you know, we, you know, we just had to make some calls and, you know, we were throwing you know, crews were bouncing around left, right and centre to, you know, to, oh, we think something might be happening with Grundy, let's head there. Oh, now we've got to send them over to, Co-, you know. So it, there's a lot going on and really challenging, a lot of fun. Um, but, um, yeah, I think you probably had a heart rate monitor on me that day. I think I would have been off the chart. But, uh, look, I think, I think you know, we got, we got everything we got. And then even in that last day, I, look, you guys have probably, you've heard all the stories over the years from agents and list managers and all of those types of things. And I had too, but I probably hadn't really prepared myself for being in there on that last day and kind of, you know, seeing Colin put it all on the line. Yeah, you mentioned Colin, there was a pretty interesting moment with he is sitting next to Paul Connors. We talk about, it was almost like they're on, on the couch together, all worn out, what's going on? Oh yeah, I reckon this will happen. Oh, I don't think mine's going to happen. It eventually happens. But you talk about those agents that you, you, you've used in this particular uh, season, Paul Connors, Robbie Durazio, and also Colin Young from WA. They're the real stars. Um, Colin Young's a different character. He's larger than life. You know, we've seen him sat in ice baths for photo shoots. He swears like a trooper. He's uh, he, he just turns mayhem and gets the deal done for his client. What's he like to deal with? Look, that, that, that's the thing. That's what look, I love Colin. I think he wears his heart on his sleeve. He is who he is. He's, he's unapologetic about it. Um, and I think he genuinely, I think he genuinely just forgot we're even there, and he was just Cole. And I don't think anyone could ever say that Cole doesn't put it all out there, doesn't put it all on the line, and doesn't give every last bit of himself because uh, he he was genuinely cooked at the end there. And um, look, I, I you know I've got to give him a lot of credit because you know it's really really easy to have a camera pointed in your face when things are going well, um, you know, and you know in a in an industry in an era where there's so much on optics and you know, and image management and all those things, um, I think it takes a lot of courage to go, yeah, well, you know, I'll, the camera can be here and it can stay here and, you know, I am who I am and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And so I've I got to give him and, look, all the guys credit, to be honest. No one no one ever shut us out of anything. Um, and, look, I, you know, I, I think that takes a, takes a lot of courage. To, um, it can be a pretty stressful time for, for players, obviously, trying to get from A to B in this window, as we see uh, through the show, uh, Michael. Who else surprised you in terms of um, how easy or how challenging they were to, to work with and, you know, cooperation, all those sort of things? Um, yeah, good question. Look, uh, it, I spoke before about, you know, about trust and obviously with, you know, it's been two years now probably I've been, you know, working with the agents and then obviously the players have incredible trust in their agents because that's why they're with them. And so, look, there's obviously this this kind of chain of, of trust where we all kind of sit there and go, look, tell us, you know, let us let us in and tell us your story because, like I said before, it's not, it's not just about the headline and quite, quite often this period can just look like, and I think Alex McDonald even says it in it, you know, a meat market. Um, and there's obviously much more to it and that our, you know, the goal of this, you know, has always been to show the stories behind it and what's what's at stake. Like these are, you know, these are young men, you know, who are moving clubs or, or changing locations for whatever reasons, whether it's, you know, in COVID we saw all the family, you know, we saw all the family issues with, you know, with Jeremy Finlayson. And so, look, I, I think it's it's always been really important to, you know, kind of pull the curtain back but show the real human side of it because at the end of the day that's what we can all relate to. 
um, you know, humans being humans. So, um, look, I no, no one honestly was was, was difficult. Um, you know, once once people bought in and, you know, we said, like, you just got to tell us kind of, you know, what's going on and when and we'll be there. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, look, I, I just got nothing but, you know, praise across the board for all the players and the agents. And in terms of the agents, um, you know, do, what sort of feedback did you get from them in, in terms of like, did they say, because obviously that, that last day with Colin Young was amazing and seeing him run up and down those halls of, uh, of Docklands uh, trying to get a, a deal done on the last, uh, in, in the last 45 seconds, as it turns out. Um, what sort of feedback did you get from them in terms of, um, hey, yeah, look, all good, happy to do this again? Or did some of them go, oh, look, yeah, that was that was all well and good, but we're not going in that, down this path again. I, I can't do this again. Oh, look, I, I think I'm, I think it's about time I left them alone for a little while, guys. I think I probably, was probably <laughs> hassling them for a little while across that period. And, you know, it was obviously a big, big lead up to, to launching uh, on Friday on stand. So, I, I, to be honest, I'm giving them a bit of um, giving them a bit of uh, clear air. So they're probably sick of my voice. But um, look, you know, they'd probably be the first to ring me and you know say if they had a problem with anything. But look, I, I haven't heard anything. Whether you know whether or not they watch it and they like to watch it or not, I don't know. I'll, I'll wait to hear. I'll let you know. Uh, Brody Grundy was a, a key part of the uh, the piece of the puzzle. He ends up getting to Melbourne on massive money, as we've sort of known, and we sort of knew that for sort of six months out with some of the reporting going on. But that was. Uh, very pinnacle, uh, I suppose, a, a real tie into the Jackson deal to get to Fremantle. Um, Collingwood looked like they engaged as you reported. You know, Port Adelaide, obviously, if there was a move home to Adelaide where he was born, GWS, Geelong, and Melbourne, they're the ones that showed the most interest. Now, he's a different type of character, he even says, I'm a different cat. How was he to work with? Because he looks extremely ra- relaxed, where it was probably the most key moment of his career as to where his future was headed. Oh look! Look, Brody was fantastic. Obviously, there's huge, you know, scrutiny around him. But um, look, you know, we sat down and we we had a chat about what this might look like. Um, and obviously, you know, he he was he was aware of you know the fact that we weren't just a just a rolling headline that was you know going to come out and move on. He knew that this was going to come up, you know, come out, you know, for what, four months later. Um, and and once again, I think he you know he trusted Robbie, and you know Robbie trusted us, and Robbie's been around the block with this and, and knows how it all works. So look, he he absolutely bought in. I think you know he spoke openly and honestly, and I, I think he does you know you know every time he speaks, um, and which would be incredibly difficult because I think it was obviously um, you know it, it was a pretty difficult period for him and a, a difficult pill to swallow. But I think as you can see, you know Robbie guides him through the process and. And he kind of comes out the other end, and you know, I think he says it. He says, "Look, now I'm just future focused. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a D, and this is where I'm headed." We've seen in the last year or so, Michael, and it was certainly made clear several times during the show that there's been a, a real shift in the balance of power in the trade period, perhaps away from the players and back to the clubs, who are now taking the reins and being more aggressive. They're moving players like Brody Grundy, who only a couple of years ago signed a seven-year deal. He's two years into it or so. And he's he's gone off. Um, what did you make of that and and that uh, that shift in the the dynamic in the in the trade uh, period? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Look, I think obviously the, the agents are probably the best placed to to answer that. But um, yeah, look, I think it's an interesting an interesting dynamic. I think um, you know we obviously a lot of us follow American sports and see the ease at which kind of you know people move back and forward and you know who holds the power there. Um, so look, I, look I, th- I think it's interesting. I think look, the, the most important thing is I think the, the best part about trade period is obviously players getting new opportunities and hopefully extending their careers. So I think as long as you know we're doing that and we you know we go about it the right way, I think you know it's it, it, it's a good thing to be able to 
you know, ha- have people have get a change of scenery or get a better opportunity or, or have a, you know, a longer career. Um, also a fascinating aspect which would fans would not really understand before this trade period was the fact that Robbie Durazio's client was involved in a salary dump. And I'm talking about Jack Bowes, who was at the Gold Coast, ends up going with pick seven. So effectively, you take on the salary and you, you get pick seven as well. That was really intriguing, particularly uh, that we haven't really seen that before in the AFL. And also, too, the key players um, who were involved in the pitch at Geelong were uh, Stuart and Dangerfield, who are now captains uh, of that club. So that was just a riveting insight. How did you see that play out and um, understand from a player, effectively, you're being told to flick and we're just getting you for the salary in the pick? Yeah, look, it was it was an interesting period because obviously with that new mechanism coming in this year, I think people were still kind of trying to work it out. Um, and, you know, and when, when pick seven got attached to it, all of a sudden it started to, you know, get a bit of momentum and, and all of a sudden, you know, names were popping up left, right and centre and, so look, we we obviously just kept chatting to Robbie, and you know, and we just stuck with them like glue because you know we were we were you know learning of the situation as it was unfolding as well. And yeah, look to to be able to you know a big thank you to to Geelong as well. They obviously could have you know said no 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 not not coming in here. But um, look, I think everyone understands you know the the value in there, and I think all, all the Geelong members are going to look at that and go. Look, they, they pulled out all the stops. You know, Danger's just had a baby the day before, whatever it was. Um, so that, that's what I mean. I think it's just giving the fans a, a real insight into, you know, what the clubs are doing. I think, the, you know, the big one in season one was after Melman had won the premiership and then four days later they were signing, you know, they were back home and signing Luke Dunstan, improving their list. So, you know, I think all of these things are, you know, great for clubs, great for fans. And, um, look, the, the Bose story was 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 fascinating. We'll see how, you know, what happens with that salary dump, you know, over the next few trade periods. How many times were you denied access to a conversation, Michael? And I guess uh, we saw one instance in the show where uh, Paul Connors is talking to someone, read the Lockie Hunter deal, which went down late. And and uh, we hear uh, we hear him say, uh, you know, I'm being t- taped so I can take it off, you know, the mic. So he, he needed to have a private moment, a private conversation with someone. Um, how often did that happen? Uh, look, I don't know how often it happened, but look, what, what we did was obviously, you know, our integrity is incredibly important. And obviously, you know, if we're using the deadline day as a specific example, obviously there are lots of conversations that, you know, that go on and, you know, they may not want us to be privy to them and that that's absolutely fine. And, um, you know, we did that. So that was, you know, Sammy Power obviously wanted to have a chat with um with Paul Connors there and we, we respect that. You know, I, I chat to everyone involved and say, look, hey, you know, we record it and, and, and we see how we go from there. Obviously, when you're shooting 150 hours of vision, not, not everything is going to make it anyway. So, um, but look, the most important thing is that we're, we're transparent. We're not, we're absolutely not interested in, in, you know, stitching anyone up for anything. Um, so look, sometimes there are conversations that obviously can't be had um, on camera and, and, look, and that, that's fine. I think the vast majority though, to be honest, I think you, you see, and I think, you know, everyone can make up their own minds, but I think, Everyone who who is part of the show speaks pretty uh, openly and honestly. There, I think there's a few little you know nuggets, or, or you know some people might want to call them bombshells that didn't you know probably wouldn't have thought that you know come out of people's mouths. So I think there's a few. It's a pr- pretty pretty interesting. And I, once again, I say you know everyone almost kind of forgot about us after a little while and spoke openly and honestly, and that's what you see. 
Yeah, we have the mid-season draft. Um, a lot of talk now that they were expecting there's going to be a mid-season trade period, which could also add to your workload by the sound <laughs> of things. Um, David Trotter from Hemisphere, uh, who's a former North Melbourne player, made an interesting observation. He, he said, everyone looks at the trade period as a two-week window. It's a 12 months a year. Now, we've got a pretty clear picture of that for you guys. Um, how, how long a period were you filming for? You know, Because we can talk about trade period is only two and a half, three weeks or whatever it is. But surely it's a six-month situation. Yeah, look, look, it's it's a difficult one because there's obviously there's there's kind of two parts. There's obviously the the you know the talking about logistics and being realistic. We, we don't have endless money to you know be shooting nonstop, following all these people day and night. So you know there's certain decisions we've got to make about when you know when we start and when we don't, and and sometimes we kind of leave ourselves you know a, 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 some. Um, some flexibility earlier on to be able to go, all right, well, you know, these things might be happening. Maybe it's worth us kind of coming along and seeing. But, look, the, the reality is the vast majority of what you see, um, you know, was, you know, those a couple of weeks leading up to and obviously the trade period itself. You mentioned earlier, Michael, about uh, how you um, nothing could have prepared you for this second season of Show Me The Money after doing the first one. Um, obviously, it was very different, much busier trade period this time and also different circumstances with COVID. But what uh, what did you learn from producing the first one that perhaps did help you in uh, in, in putting together, you know, perhaps a, an, an even better product this time? Yeah, look, uh, look, I mean, out of interest, you know, I didn't even, because WA was obviously shut in season one, I didn't even get across to, you know, see Colin and, and Andrew in person. So that's kind of how different it was. You know, they were obviously open and moving. So we had a Perth-based, you know, kind of crew looking after that. Look, this time around, I think, you know, I guess one of the, well, a couple of the biggest things, obviously relationships, you know, it, it takes time to get that trust out of the guys. Um, and also I think the first season probably opened it up to potentially, you know, some other players who would kind of sit there and would normally probably just happily, you know, just kind of quietly go through the trade period and 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 just kind of and, and go with the flow. Whereas this time I think people can see the value in, in, in telling their story and I think it's really valuable, you know, not just for themselves and their family but also to, to other players. So I, th- I think there's that. So I think that, you know, season one did a fair bit of trailblazing in terms of, you know, just opening it up and, and giving us more options, um, you know, for season, you know, for the second incarnation. And, and similarly with... Um, you know, even, you know, clubs, clubs can be quite, you know, tight-lipped about things. And, you know, I've got to give a lot of credit to, you know, Melbourne in, in the first go-round and also North Melbourne who, who you know, they, they trusted us and they opened us up and, and I think that's led to more and more. So, look, I think we're slowly kind of chipping away at, um, you know, at, at, at I guess, um, you know, breaking down even a few more walls, in, you know, in club land. And what about the process to get a show like this up? Uh, can you take us through, you know, from the idea, the conception of it through to actually getting it to air? Like, where do you start? What are the first building blocks to put in place to to, to get something like this up? Yeah, look, after, um, after you know, myself and, you know, Jam TV, we did um, Making Their Mark, obviously, on Amazon. And, uh, we, you know, which, uh, you know, I thought was, um, was, was pretty groundbreaking in terms of the access we had there and especially, obviously, you know, everyone's bored about talking about COVID, but that was obviously, a, you know, a very fresh at that time. Um, off the back of that, the dust kind of settled and, you know, I sat down with, you know, with, with Coz at Jam and, you know, it, it kind of spoke about what, what, what else what else is left? Where, what other, you know, can, what else can we pull the curtain back on? And, and um, you know, Coz has always found the trade period absolutely fascinating. And, you know, so we sat down and 
you know, just started nutting out what that might look like. And so it was just, you know, research, what, what's involved in the trade period, how does it work, you know, of I found out, you know, not a great deal happens on the weekend during trade period. You know, just, you know, just spending time getting on the phone, talking to people and, and understanding, you know, what, what what it could look like. And and then, you know, obviously Stan were fantastic and supportive and, and they came along and said, look, this, this this sounds incredible. We haven't seen or, you know, or heard of anything like this. And they came on board and supported us and then, like, away we went. Now, we're on the big deal. We talk about the financial side. Uh, we couldn't possibly go without asking you, what sort of ballpark cost does it do to take this? You mentioned all the cameramen. You mentioned thousands of hours of video. You mentioned tracking players, whether you know talent gets paid or not. Um, what sort of ballpark is this budget? All great questions, and uh, all, all of them I'll, I'll leave alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, that's uh, if you get anyone from Stan on, you can have a chat to them. The, f- the fact that you made it a second time uh, tells me that uh, it was worth your while, though, to uh, to do it after uh, doing it the first time. Oh, look, I, I think so, and I think the beauty of this is obviously there's completely different stories every year. Um, you know, I think obviously COVID, you know, flipped the script and script, and you know, obviously people's priorities changed in terms of the players, and obviously you know, family and home became you know much much bigger, stronger factors. Um, and then, you know, and, and this year slightly changed again and it'll probably change again next year. So, um, look, the beauty of it is there's different players every year, obviously, from you know, literally players and players, um, you know, and, and, you know, the agents are there facilitating that and they've each got their own, you know, kind of different skill set and different qualities and, and characteristics. And so I think all of those things and then, you know, look, deadline day is, is deadline day. So, look, I think all those ingredients, you know, I think, I think you can't, I think you can't lose. But, look... I do. I think I said it before that at the end of the day, that you know, at the heart of this is the stories behind the players moving. It's not you know, it's not just player X moving from club A to club B. It's it's what the stakes are, what's involved, what it means to them, and you know, what it means to their family and their friends. Um, and I think people have understood that. And you know, after years of it kind of just being a headline and people kind of seeing it as a bit of a meat market, I think people see it. It's much deeper than that. Yeah, and you mentioned. Um much deeper than that. You sit as probably almost an independent, you know, no doubt probably a footy fan and follow it and have your affiliation. But here you're working this situation from an external point of view. It looks like it gets bigger and better at the trade period every year. We don't know who's going where, picks or whatever. And you mentioned earlier in the interview about the American links. We've seen that. From your insights and what you've seen over these hundreds and thousands of hours of vision, do you think we're heading in a stage of we're going to see more of this, more not disconnect, but more players um, and clubs doing deals to suit themselves better and where we're going to see more trade, more movement, um, including a mid-season trade period. Just from what you've seen, do you think it was going to get more as opposed to less? I, I, I think it is going to be moving in that direction. I think there is going to be more rather than less. Um, look, you know, there's obviously it's, it's a hot topic at the moment, you know, the, the mid-season trade period. And, you know, everyone's talking about you know, from the player side of view, you know, point of view, it's obviously about, you know, more opportunity and, you know, and, and those types of things and keeping, you know, players in jobs longer. But then also from the club's point of view, um, it, it is a chance for everyone to kind of reset and have a crack if, you know, their, their list isn't quite doing what they wanted it to do. So fr- from a from a competition point of view, my, you know, my opinion is it's it's probably going to only benefit. Um but as you know, it also we just need to remember that you know th- these are people as well with you know with families and lives, and it's it's not just you know it's not just a matter of um, moving from A to B. There's a fair bit that goes on. 
You mentioned making their mark earlier, um, Michael, another Jam TV original, which uh, which ran on Amazon Prime, uh, following the likes of Eddie Betts, Nick Natanui, Rory Sloan, Stephen Canelio, uh, in what turned out to be, you know, the AFL's most challenging season of all in 2020 during the pandemic. Just tell us what that was like to negotiate that minefield, and uh, and it was a fantastic show too, but... To, to be able to put that to air through all the restrictions and everything else that was going on uh, was quite an incredible uh, achievement, and you got such amazing stories out of it as well. Yeah, look, that that was well. It looked easily the most challenging production you know I've ever been involved in. And obviously, you know, I know everyone says unprecedented, and but it obviously was. And you know, we had spent so long uh, and so much time and investing in setting up you know, in setting that up. And then all of a sudden, you know, the walls came crashing down. Um, what I do, you know, what I do have to say is that Amazon were absolutely unbelievable in terms of supporting us. You know, we were one of the last productions to still remain when everything was being shut down. Um, and then we were one of the first um, to be allowed back up once, you know, once the AFL got, you know, was back up and running. Um, you know, it was all very fresh at that time. No one knew how to handle it. And, you know, we, we obviously, you know, covered all our bases and made sure everyone, the, the most important thing was everyone was safe. And as you could probably understand, going back and looking at all those protocols and how all that worked and, you know, and, and similarly with the AFL, the AFL were obviously incredibly supportive. We had, we had to sit down with them and we had to nut out what that looked like and effectively all our crews were obviously under exactly the same rules um, as everyone in an AFL club, which was very restrictive to them and, you know, and their families at that time. Um, and so a lot of sacrifices were made across the board. But, look, it, Amazon were incredible. Um, you know, the AFL were incredible. And obviously, you know, Jam TV um, looked after everyone, which was the most important thing. And so, you know, that's when you do all that hard work and you put yourself in, you know, give yourself the opportunity and you put yourself there, then, you know, I think the, the results spoke for themselves. I think that was, you know, an incredible production of, across the period. Um, and, you know, and once again, you know, all the clubs, you know, wrapping their arms around us and, and saying, you know, we're, we're in, we're in, and, and you're part of the team. How wide is the scope for uh, potential docos when you look at the sporting landscape? Um, in particular, I guess we're, we're focusing here today on AFL. Do you see the other opportunities that present? Oh, look, I, I think there... Look, there's a, there's a few things, obviously, that opened it up for everyone. I think, you know, the last dance was obviously a big one and, and you know, and drive to survive. And I think... You know, we're obviously such a, a very sports-heavy culture um, and I think that's the beauty of that is that, you know, sport is a great vehicle to tell other amazing stories. And so I think, honestly, the scope's endless. I mean, you've seen it. You know, there are all kinds of um, huge sport docos on all the streaming platforms across the board. There's a massive appetite for it. Um, and, look, the, the sport is usually the wallpaper and then the story is 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 the human being. So... Um, look, I think it's. I think the scope's endless, and I, you know, I, I can't see it. Um, I can't see the appetite reducing anytime soon. What's the next big project for you, Michael, in terms of sport? If you're allowed to tell us, or is it all secret squirrel under wraps? Oh, look, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm. Uh, I'm just taking. I'm taking some time. I'm, um, I'm. You know, it's been a pretty big, pre- pretty big four years. You know, with Jam TV and you know myself, we kind of gone making the mark into show me the money one into fearless into show me the money two. Um, you know, so um, I think uh, I'm just going to take a bit of a breather and then we'll, we'll see what, uh, see what, see what plays out. You missed the opportunity, Michael. You could have rolled out the footy analogy. I'm just taking it one week at a time. 
that's it. Game of two halves. Yep. That's yeah. It. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's um. Look, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. I'll just take a take a breather. Obviously, really, you know, really proud of of you know. Now uh, we have a fast five, and it looks like we're we're cutting you short today. We're only got a fast three. Um, just a bit of a personal insight. Your favourite sports doco and why that you've seen. Favorite sports doco. Look, I, I, I grew I grew up on um, I grew up on basketball, and uh, so the Last Dance for me was was absolutely it. I'm, I'm a I'm a Michael Jordan fan, um, and I just thought the uh, the storytelling in that and the the archive and the access was just absolutely you know mind blowing. And I think it took I think what some people thought was a, a bit of a niche, um, you know, kind of. Uh, a niche market, which is, you know, sports documentaries. And I think it took that to the masses personally. And I think it's paved the way for, you know, everything you see now across the board. Um, and I think, you know, all the streamers see the value in it. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic for sports, but I also think it's just, it's just fantastic to hear, hear people's stories. Next one, uh, Michael, who's the best sports media talent in Australia and why, or uh, if, or, or alternatively, perhaps, uh, you know, someone who you'd really like to work with? Oh, sheesh! Pre- pressure's on. You put me on the spot there. Best, best media talent. Um, I think Jared Waitley's pretty. Uh, he's pretty. He's pretty up there. Um, I think he's 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 been doing it a long time. He's got incredible, you know, respect. Um, and when he speaks, you listen. So I think, um, yeah, I think he'd be, he'd be at the top of the list. Uh, the one thing that needs to change in sports entertainment slash media landscape. One thing has got to change. Look, I, th- I think I think it is changing, and uh, but I think it's probably um, and we, we've we've kind of started that you know th- that process. You know, show me the money. I think is pretty pivotal in terms of you know peeling back the curtain or what was kind of the dark arts of you know of, of trade period. I still think there's a few more hurdles to get through because I think you know understandably people are protective of you know their brand and their you know their IP and you know all, all those things. And but uh, look, I think I think just being open and transparent. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I think if we can all do that, then I think we can all cut each other a bit more slack and people will stop trying, trying to catch people out or ask gotcha questions and all those types of things. So I think, um, yeah, I think a bit more transparency across the board. Michael, it's been a real treat talking to you. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much, Trudis. Thanks, Dion. Congratulations on the uh, on the show. It's a, it's an absolute beauty. I recommend to all of our listeners to make sure they catch up with it because uh, it really is a fantastic insight into the world of AFL footy and the trade week. So uh, thanks for joining us, Michael. Good luck with uh, with what comes next. And uh, to everyone uh, who's uh, if you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to us at thebigdeal.au and join us on. Uh, on the next podcast, which uh, will be coming up next week right around the corner. We'll see you then. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.